Today's reading is taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 16, verses 1 to 18, and it's on page 73 of the Pew Bibles, if you want to read along. Manna and Quail The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat round pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, At twilight you will eat meat, And in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thick flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is this? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. This is the word of the Lord. Hang on. Tom said he was going to get the stand, but... (laughs) He beat me to it. (laughs) When you go to theological college, they make you do weights. (laughs) They don't, that's really hard. Um, 
What a joy. Oh, I'm a bit tangled by your mic. Can I use a handheld? Am I allowed? Uh, y- yes. Am I allowed to change halfway through? Is that all right, everyone? Will you be annoyed with my faffing? Tough. There's too much wire. It's all right when you're sitting down, not moving around, but I tend to move around quite a lot. That's going to get problematic for you and for me. Um, So, we're in Exodus, and I'm a bit sad I haven't been with you from the beginning um, of the journey, um, but it's exciting to come and be with you from this point in your Exodus journey, journey to the Promised Land. Um, I have recently studied this book, and one of the things that I found really profound was that it's It's such a good representation of the messianic journey of God wanting to dwell among his people. If you look at Exodus, everything you see, you can see in God's desire when he brings Christ to earth. And and I think that that's important as we go through it, that you remember that um, and that you're kind of thinking, well, what does this mean about Jesus if we're reading this? What does this mean about who we know God to be as you're reading this? Um, And what I want to ask you to do before I start, because I don't like any passivity in the congregation when I'm preaching, um, is for you to think, what is it that God is trying to say to you today? So maybe just spend a moment asking God, what is it, God, that you want to say to me today? And it might be for our community. What is it, God, that you want to say to our community today through your word? Um, So just spend a moment thinking about that, and then I'll pray. Father God, we thank you that you speak to us. We thank you for your word that shows us who you are and for your son who came that we might know you deeply and be in relationship with you. And we ask that you would speak to us today. Would my words be your words, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So this week I've had quite a full week. I've had my friends over from India. Uh, uh, When Tom interviewed me, I mentioned that I'd lived out in India um, and they came to visit. So we are creating a recipe book. So most of the week I've been eating curry and writing down the recipes. It was really hard. I'm not going to lie. And then we had to invite Tom and Kate and they found it really hard to to eat all that curry. Um, And there was none left because it was just such a tough job. Um, And so I'm really sorry I couldn't even bring you anything. Um, but so the the woman that runs the charity who came to visit, um, when I realised I was preaching on faith and provision, I thought of no better story to tell you than the one I'm about to tell you. Uh, they started the charity about 15 years ago, and they started it not as a charity, but just because they wanted to help children and women in need. There is, as you can imagine, a lot of need in some of the kids in India living on the street. Uh, homeless, nothing to eat and things like that. So um, they found themselves looking after about 30 kids. It had grown. Um, so this was about three years into what they were doing. 30 kids, one house, quite a big house, but still not that big. Um, and, and they found that they were not supported by many other people other than their church in Goa. Um, and so the money was tight, but they knew that this is what God had called them to do. 
So already they had found struggle and things like that. But this one particular occasion, they had a phone call from the kids' home and one of the wardens said, Dee Dee, which means older sister, we have run out of food. And uh, Bina replied, well, just give them some rice. That's fine, just give them some rice. And she said, no, we've run out of everything. So there's 30 children needing to be, needing to be fed. And then Bina said, well, we've run out of food too. I don't have enough food for my own two children, and I was hoping to come and get some from you. They had nothing left in the children's home, and they had nothing left in their own home. And so Bina's response was, gather the children and tell them to pray. And so they prayed. And while they were praying, a man came to the door, and he had a sack of fish and a sack of rice. And the children literally felt that God had dropped this food on their doorstep as they prayed. Do we have faith like that? What had actually happened is that it was the monsoon and the man's market store had been flooded so he couldn't sell his fish. If he'd have waited till the next day the fish would have gone off, he wouldn't have been able to sell it and it would have been completely wasted. His friend told him of this charity down the road that looks after children and and he wanted to give them the fish but he felt that the fish wasn't enough. He should take them some rice too. So he turned up on their doorstep through the monsoon with this fish and with this rice. Now, that's a very natural circumstance. The monsoon coming happens every year. The man responding to his friend and saying he would go, perhaps that's a bit more, um, needed his cooperation. But the kids praying in faith that they would be fed and that food turning up at that moment in time is God's provision in the natural through the supernatural. And my question for you today is, how can we have a faith like that? Where we see God at work in the natural through his supernatural. Now, um, I don't know about you, but I do find stories of provision hard. Um, I, we obviously live in Surrey, leafy Surrey, or not very leafy at the moment, but um, green leafy Surrey. And if we, I think the stat is something like if you have a fridge, clothes, food, most like some food in your fridge, you're one of the wealthiest 75 people in the, in the whole of the world, something like that. It's, I'm not very good at stats, but that, it's a shock when all you need is a fridge and a bed, and that makes you in some of the wealthiest in the whole world um, and so I struggle because when, when I hear stories like that one I've just told you I think yeah sometimes I run out of milk and uh, that's after I like ask well the other day I didn't have a wine bottle opener I had to go and ask Karen for a wine bottle opener so that was tough for me um, and so it's difficult to understand when we come to the scriptures what these Israelites must have been going through they didn't have any food. We, we struggle to understand that. There are people in our society, there may be people here, who don't have enough food. And it's becoming more of a reality. But for the majority of us, we just type our order into Tesco and it arrives. There's no faith required in that. And so we find it harder and harder to trust in God for the things that are, that are smaller than those things that actually physically affect us. So let's look at what's going on in the scripture. They're travelling from Elim to Sinai and they find this, themselves in this place called Sin, which doesn't really mean sin. It's not, it's not some kind of crazy metaphor because they were in sin, but it does help us understand because they did find themselves 
separating themselves from God quite a lot. They find themselves grumbling. Now, just, just remember that God has just taken them through the Red Sea. And yet, they instantly forget that. Now, when in your lives do you forget what God has done for you already so quickly and start to grumble? Now, I don't actually think this place of grumbling is a, is a bad place. Because I think this place of grumbling is what moves us in our humanity towards God. It redirects our thinking, it redirects our hearts, it changes our attitudes, changes our hearts, so that we can come closer to God, so that we can move into that next bit of his provision. So they find themselves between freedom and provision, and I'm going to call the place in the middle the place of grumbling, because we all know what that place feels like. So one thing that has happened to them is that they found themselves in the wilderness. And now the wilderness to us is kind of a difficult place. I've read books on wilderness and it's like life's a bit tough. Life is um, a struggle. Uh, You may be having a bit of a spiritual battle. Um, There might be things going on in your family, in your workplace, and and you feel a bit separate from God. And it's hard, right? That's To me, that's what I've understood the wilderness as. But to the Israelites... The wilderness was a physical space that in their culture meant death. So when they say, they cry out, God has brought us from that place where we were eating loads of great food. I think they may have had rose-tinted glasses as well, do you think? (laughs) They were slaves. Um, Loads of food, loads of great stuff. And now he's brought us into a place of death. They actually meant death. They were in a place of death because that is the experience they were having. Wilderness in their culture meant barrenness. It meant no food. If you are in the wilderness, you are in extreme heat, much like the UK right now. You have no food. There is no water. What's going to happen to you? You're going to die. On one level, I think, yeah, okay, they're grumbling. I can understand why. I get a bit hot at the moment. And I grumble that there's no air in my house. You know, like, it's understandable why they were grumbling. But that wilderness place to them was actual death. Why would God bring them out of a place where they could be fed to a place where they would die? What kind of God is this? And the other thing to note is that then God responds to their grumbling by feeding them. Who among you have children that grumble when they want something? <laughs> I don't, so I'm quite lucky. Um, do you give them everything that they want when they grumble? <laughs> God feeds them. And, and again, in the culture, food is life. Where there is food, it is the essence of creation and it is life. And so they go from this place of grumbling and moaning to this place where they wake up and God has just put manna and quail and they are having a feast again. Suddenly they go from death to life. Do you recognize that journey? Who of you in this room know that journey from death to life? That place of barrenness, that place of separation from God, to the place where you are living in God's abundance. Now, I use the word abundance on purpose because I don't think God gives excess. 
I think excess is related to greed, and I think often that's probably where I find myself, actually. God gives abundance. He tells them to go and collect an omer for each person in your tent. No more, no less. And on the sixth day, go and collect double for the day that you will rest. Will they follow God's instructions? He doesn't say collect for six days and then on the seventh day maybe use your leftovers up. He says collect enough for that seventh day, but I want you to rest. He wants them to live in the rhythms that he has created. Six days of work, one day of rest. It's the rhythm of creation. God is the creator. He wants them to see who their provider is. Now, I think we can find our rhythm slightly off, and I, and I wonder whether perhaps that's how we find God's provision, is when we walk in God's rhythms. Because God gives us what we need, and not necessarily what we want, which is, I always thought was such a cop-out when my parents said that to me. Like, oh, but that's what you want, but we know what you need. I really wanted that Tamagotchi, or whatever was... I couldn't think of anything better than a Tamagotchi when I was thinking up my sermon. But our Heavenly Father knows what we need, and so often we want provision to be a bit like, I've come to church every week, and I give my tithe, and... I help people cross the street when they're struggling or I carried someone's bags the other day. I've done good things for you, God. I give to charity. I volunteer at church. So please can I have a Mercedes? I mean, I'm exaggerating, but these are the kinds of moments that we have. Why haven't you healed that person that I love? Why can I not get the promotion that I want? Why does nobody notice me? God knows exactly what we need and he calls us to walk and to live in his rhythms, much like the Israelites. Every single day to walk in those rhythms. What do those rhythms look like for you? I don't know. For me, it's reading my Bible. Praying, praying with friends, praying as a community, meeting together and celebrating. I've noticed that you do that really well already. Your celebration slot in the service is great, especially when the kids tell you what they want to celebrate. Because God is delighting in us when we do that. When we recognize the things that perhaps we might as adults think are a bit silly to celebrate. But actually, that's how we're meant to be with God childlike faith, like those children in India who prayed and their food landed on their doorstep. They know that that was God. When I give you the rest of the story, you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, but that man, he just bought the food. The difference? They had faith. Their faith was their relationship with God. Their faith wasn't demanding something of God and then receiving it. Their faith was their relationship with God. They're interceding. They're asking for God's provision. And then him providing 
with, with the abundance of that fish and that rice. In the desert with the manna and the quail. Did you know that the time they expect the, that the Israelites were wandering through the desert, the weather means that the manna does appear and the quail are migrating. There's a migration pattern that means that the quail would have been there and they are so tired from the migration that they can't really move anywhere quickly. So you got yourself a lot of quail. Easy. The natural used by God in the supernatural to provide. God is providing in our lives all the time and we just don't notice when we're not in his rhythm. Our faith means that our hearts are turned towards God. And when they're turned towards God, we hear his voice. And when we hear his voice, we know his provision. Now, there might be stuff happening in your lives that you think, that's all very well. But it's harder to sit here and ask for it. Harder to sit here and call out to God and cry out to God. Well, maybe you find yourself in that place of grumbling. You've forgotten what God has done for you already. And you're longing for that thing that he will do for you. Well, that place, if that place is turning your heart towards God, then that's no bad place. If it's increasing your faith to keep praying, then that's no bad place. I, when I was preparing the sermon, I felt that there was a few things uh, that we might want to respond today. Um, one was that perhaps, like the man from the market, or like Moses and Aaron, we are part of someone else's provision story. And we don't know because we're not asking God. Because sometimes we're so bothered by our own provision, we don't recognize if we are part of the provision for someone else. That man who gave the fish and the rice, I wish I knew his name, sorry. He didn't know that the kids had no food. He wasn't reacting. I think he was responding to a nudge of God in his heart. Where in your life might you be needing to listen to God's nudging, to God's voice? for providing in someone else's life. That might be company, your time. It might be financially. It might be giving someone a bit of space when they're telling you something. So that you know that moment where you need, you need someone to shut up, basically, because <laughs> you're trying to tell them something important. And there are some people, there'll be people here who have not been listened to. Perhaps your provision is to listen. There are so many things that I could list, and there's so many things that are natural in which God can move in the supernatural in our lives if we just listen to him. The other thing is, is rest and rhythm. I felt that for some of us, we need to realign our rhythms in order to walk in a way that God, we recognize God's provision. He asked the Israelites to rest on the seventh day. He has an instruction for us. It's not, it's not a, if you want to, maybe rest and take a Sabbath. And I think this is so important in our society today. Do you take rest? Take it like God has given it to you as a gift because he has. Maybe you need to realign your rhythms with God. 
Tom has my last page. That's good. <laughs> I forgot my other point. Um, rest. <laughs> oh, thanks. Ah, of course. The one that would, should have been obvious if I'd have actually thought about it. Sorry, I keep moving around. I'll stay still. Maybe you need provision. Maybe you are waiting for God to provide in your life healing, work, maybe food. We don't know what's going on all the time in people's lives. Maybe a friend, maybe a husband or a wife. There is provision in your life that perhaps you've been asking for for a long time. And so I think um, we're going to worship. Is that right? We're getting in the right order. Uh, And so I want you to think about those things, and then we're going to respond, and Tom's going to lead you in a response. Where might you need to realign your rhythms? Perhaps you... I mean, we could all do this. Ask God where we might be provision for someone else. To open our eyes to what he is doing in the natural through his supernatural. By his spirit. Or perhaps we need our own provision. We need to ask God, and perhaps that's a step of faith too. To be met in the place where you have nothing by the God who gives us everything.